Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Open Mic Podcast. My name is Caroline. I'm a rising senior at Columbia University, and I'm so excited to be hosting this series where we'll be talking about school and life and everything in between. Each episode will feature a new topic and a different guest. And today, I'm so excited to be introducing Eva Bogomilova. Eva, thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And like Caroline, I'm also a rising senior at Columbia College studying political science and history. I'm also on a pre-law track and I will be applying to law school next semester. Yeah, and I think Eva's pretty amazing because she's going to be the president of class council for 2022, right? Yeah, senior class president. Senior class president. That's awesome. And did you guys, I'm like using this mug just because of our episode, but did you guys send these to us? Yes, I'm so glad they arrived and I'm glad yours didn't break. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah, they're so cute. And like my mom found this in the mail and she was like, oh my gosh, you have something from Columbia. I'm like, I'm so excited. And this is like actually so useful. And sorry for those of you who are listening like audio only, but I'm holding up a really cute mug to the camera. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so glad. Yeah. And so Eva is gracious enough to be here with us to talk about her experiences on student council. Do you want to get started talking to us about how you got interested in student council and when that interest started? Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I did student council my whole time during high school. I was class president all three years, and I was also like on the student council just as a general member, and I loved it so much. I loved all the volunteering opportunities that we had, and I really just wanted to do something like that in college. And actually, once I got into Columbia, I wasn't sure if I wanted to still pursue student council just because of you know how rigorous Columbia was I really just didn't think I had what it took to run for student council and my friend Rob um, he actually was one of my floor mates freshman year and he was the reason I ran for student council um, he was like Eva we really need one more person for a ticket I think you should do it and at the time I was like still very very hesitant because I just didn't think I could do it and thank goodness I did. My friend Rob ended up dropping the ticket because he decided he didn't really want to campaign. I think it was a very busy time for him. But I stayed on the ticket and my team worked really hard canvassing, sharing our platform like online and getting to know all of our classmates. And we ended up winning and I've loved it ever since. Going back to the point about thinking that it would be too difficult or you wouldn't have enough time to do these activities that you were interested. I feel like that's a really big concern for a lot of students who are jumping into their first college semester. What do you think are resources or what, what kind of helped you through that? Yeah, so definitely this takes you like a bit of time to figure out. No one does it perfectly. And also I'd just like to put out there so that if you don't exactly know what kind of clubs you wanna pursue in college yet, that's no problem because most most colleges will have a club fair. I remember Columbia, I think we had it in September. And basically the club fair is, it was outside on the lawns and each club had their own table with the club members and you could go around the tables and meet like the club members ask questions about the club requirements. And I think there were about 50 tables, which is a little bit overwhelming, but they also gave us a little map and you could beforehand plan which tables you wanted to stop at. And I think that Columbia just, it, it, they, were just they were just so organized um, and it was a lot, it was very easy to find like clubs that you're interested in that way. Um, so your college will definitely offer something like that. So no problem if you don't exactly know what you're going into. Something that's pretty cool is that you said that one of your friends, Rob, I think Rob was actually in one of my vlogs from like my NSOP OL vlog and like a cameo with, with Isaac, his other friend. But um, uh -huh. yeah, 
So I think it's also really cool that it's like your roommate or not roommate, sorry, floor mate group or friend group that kind of encourage you to pursue things that you might not have done yourself. So kind of stepping out of your comfort zone with the encouragement of friends. Yeah, and I'd also like to say that like a lot of people do kind of continue doing the clubs that they did in high school just because it's something familiar they're familiar with. And I think that's totally normal, especially when you're moving to a completely new environment. I think it's totally okay to say like continue doing student council or continue doing like a science club or just any volunteering club or anything that you did in, in high school and bring it into college because um, it just helps you adapt more, make you feel a little bit more comfortable. But I'd also like to stress that it's also great to just, you know, explore your interests because especially at Columbia too, we just offer so many special niche clubs that I'd never even thought would could have existed. And I think you should definitely take that opportunity to just explore things that you otherwise wouldn't have. And when you were in your first year, when you were running, what was your role in student council for that year and for the years beyond that? Yeah, sure. So freshman year, I was vice president. And my job was mostly just to assist the president in his duties and just also just serve as like a leader um, and just help out at general body meetings and voice student concerns. Freshman year, we mostly focused on like um, building up school spirit, um, like study breaks and just events where students can meet each other because freshman years, like it can be a very lonely time. And so we just try to put on a lot of events to get people more accustomed to like living in New York and just meeting more people. And sophomore year, um, interestingly, interestingly enough, I actually was not on student council because I decided to put it all on the line and run for an executive board position. And I lost, um, it was a little bit embarrassing, um, but it's okay. And I was definitely devastated and crushed um, <laughs> because I had, like I mentioned, I'd been on council since ninth grade and I couldn't imagine a life without it. I was, I was just, I was a little, I was just, I was in my room for an entire week listening to sad music because I just, I, I couldn't, I was very sad. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like it did build character and it also allowed me to, to explore my other interests such as community service. Um, I actually joined this club. I know you mentioned Isaac. Isaac helped me get involved with it. Um, it's called Columbia Youth Adventures. And basically it's a club that partners with um, our neighbors over at Harlem. And we take um, like elementary school students or middle school students on little field trips and excursions around the city. And they really love it. And the volunteers really love it. I've made some of the best memories in that, in that club. And I really would never have joined if I didn't lose that election, so. It was a blessing and a curse. Yeah, and I think like the fact that you came back the year after to run for a position after not being on council for a year, it shows your dedication too. So I'm I'm glad that you're your senior class president. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I was scheming for that entire year. I was like, I need to bounce back. I need to prove <laughs> myself. Like I started building my ticket for like the next election cycle. Um, I started building it sophomore year when I wasn't even on council. I was thinking about who I wanted to join, what our platform could be, how to, you know, plan the next move. So yeah, I was scheming. Do you think that as you go on from like freshman to senior year, you can, you have more ability as a council member to make changes or to plan bigger events? 
Yeah, for sure. So not only does the budget increase significantly, which actually affects a lot of what you want to put on. I remember freshman year, I was like, I want to do a boat cruise as well. But obviously, like we just didn't have the, the funds for that. That's something that juniors and seniors can only do. So not only does your budget grow, but like you said, like your knowledge of just the inner workings of the student council grows a lot too through just experience. So now that um, my, me and my council members kind of know a little bit more about those that process, um, we're allowed to like actually pursue change a lot more. Jumping back to the point about when you were planning your, I guess, what is it called? Not agenda, but yeah. like your platform and yeah. your like group for to run for student council. What exactly is the process of running? How does that work? Yeah, so the process, um, I know it, it varies depending on what year you are. Like freshman year, the election cycle is um, September. And then if you're running for sophomore year, it's going to be that spring of your freshman year. So uh, sorry, that's a little bit confusing. But basically every year, um, it's the spring semester except for freshman year. Um, and basically the platform is something that you write with your um, ticket and it's just things that you want to accomplish. Um, with your like if you win it's kind of like I will do this for you guys and I think it's like really great that you get to kind of show students what you plan to do for them if elected and it gives them a great idea of what to expect from you as well it really does help hold you accountable and I don't know how it is for like most colleges but with Columbia it's your ticket consists of five people and there's a president a vice president and three representatives and election week is usually like two weeks, I would say, but this year was condensed. It was one week due to COVID. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so during those two weeks, you just campaign so much, you blast your platform on social media, you get endorsements. There's even a debate that you do against the other candidates. And um, the process really does only take two weeks. So it's pretty quick and people vote online. So yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much all there's to it. And anyone can really apply. Um, you don't even have to have a full ticket. So if you're worried about getting five friends, you don't have to, like you can really run alone. I was considering doing that if I couldn't get a ticket, but yeah. Do you have any favorite events that you guys have planned so far? I know that this past year was virtual, so it might be difficult, but do you have any in mind? Yeah, so um, freshman year, I really loved planning the tree lighting event. Um, that's one of my favorite Columbia Traditions actually. And that event is where um, all the schools across Columbia, so graduate and undergraduate schools, we all gather around College Walk in just low steps. And we all watch the tree lights, the, tree, the trees on College Walk light up. And it's such a cute event. Student council hands out hot chocolate and donuts and free sweatshirts. And in the background, like student perform, student like singing groups will be performing and dancing. And it's just extremely, it's just such an extremely festive time. And thinking about it has made me so excited about Christmas and it's literally June, but that's just how much I love it. But it's just the most fun event. Yeah, I remember the line went from Sundial. I stood there for like an hour because I really wanted yeah. to watch it because those are really cute. And it went all the way to like, I don't know how, I don't know, it's like a block long or something. Like that line was super long. It's a Did really, a really long. I got a sweatshirt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're so cute. cute. <laughs> Tree lighting has been one of the most talked about Columbia traditions on the podcast because everyone just loves that. Do you have any others in mind that have been, that are on your like top five lists of Columbia traditions? Sure, so um, student council doesn't like completely help put on Bach and all, but I do know we help out with some of the funding. Um, it is very expensive to put on, but I'm so glad we do it. And have people mentioned Bach and all on this podcast already? 
I think maybe one person, but like not in depth, not that in depth. Okay, okay, I, I will talk about it. But Bacchanal is our annual music festival that takes place on our lawns as well. And it's such a fun filled day with great music and it's just a lot of fun. People are just like sunbathing, chilling. It's, it's so much fun. Freshman year, we had Sophie. And I don't remember who they promised us sophomore year, but they were really good. Yeah, yeah, I remember that too. And everyone was so sad. <laughs> I yeah, know. It's yeah. just so sad to think that we only have, we'll only really have two Bacchanals, but I don't know, maybe we'll have two. I was thinking about, I mean, my council on our ticket, we wrote that like on our platform, one of our goals was potentially to have a second concert, maybe in the fall. Um, it could be just student groups as well, but we're thinking about doing something like that just to make up for those two lost Bacchanals. Talking about like big scale, large scale event planning, how much autonomy does a college student council have versus a high school student council? Oh, well, for me, I, I don't know if I can speak for everyone, but I went to a public high school um, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It was huge. It was like 3,000 people, but we had, we didn't have a budget. We had oh. No, no money, zero dollars. So <laughs> no flexibility there. We couldn't really put on any events. So student council is mostly focused on just volunteering and raising money for other organizations, which I loved as well. But what's cool um, being at like Columbia and a private institution is that there, there is more funding. So there's a lot more freedom mm -hmm. to put on events and just do like fun things for the student body. And how did yeah. you decide on Columbia for college? Yeah, so I, like I said, I'm from Arkansas, and when I tell most people that, they're like, oh, what? Like, what are you doing <laughs> in New York? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Also, I was born in Queens, and I had never really lived there, so I was really looking forward to just, like, tapping into my New York self and, like, you know, living out that side of me that I just had never you know, gotten to know before. And I was just seeking a completely different experience from what I was used to living in my suburban city. And, but don't get me wrong, I loved Fayetteville, Arkansas. I still love it so much. I go back and visit my family all the time. I'm a big nature girl, but it was definitely time for a change. And I was drawn to Columbia's location in New York just for so many reasons. There's so many internship opportunities, the rigorous academic environment, diverse student body. I really could go on. But most importantly, the amazing food options, <laughs> kidding, not kidding, but also <laughs> just in Morningside Heights, there's so many great restaurants and places to eat. What's your favorite as of now? In Morningside or, yeah. oh my God. Well, I really like sweet green. Okay, that's that's too basic, I can't <laughs> that. Oh my gosh, I really love Thai market. That I would say that is my favorite and I'm proud mm -hmm. to say. Thai market, I think the prices are awesome. They have the best pad thai and curry, and I absolutely love it. It's on 107th in Amsterdam, I believe. But also, I would like to say that our dining halls are absolutely phenomenal. I think we won, like, number one, wasn't it number one dining hall? Like, one, in number America, one from in like, America. Like I think that. it's in America. Yeah, and I was like, that is amazing. Like, for example, I talked, I like every time someone brings up Columbia, I'm always like dining halls, dining halls, because just for example, we offer like sushi, like fresh smoothies, lox bagels, like acai bowls. Who does that? I just think it's so cool. What's I'm a big favorite? Oh my gosh, I switch. I do Ferris and sometimes I do John Jay. I don't know. I really, between the two, I really just can't decide. They're so amazing. What's yours? <laughs> I, freshman year, I liked Ferris just because it was closer. And then I ate more in John Jay, like sophomore year when we were still on campus. 
but I think I'll say Ferris because that was my first my first dining hall love so oh but then I also like Barnard Dining so oh yes yeah. um and it's so cool how we can go over there and use our swipes at Barnard Dining um and they can come and use ours too and talking about Columbia specifically New York it's a big place for internships you mentioned and you're also a poli-sci major right so what are some of the extracurricular like outside of classroom internships or jobs that you've gotten involved in that have been helpful? Yeah, so I, fresh sophomore year, I actually worked for Senator Schumer. He is actually now the Senate Minority Leader, which is really awesome. And we, since just being in New York, there's so many more opportunities. Like I, in Arkansas, I wouldn't have been able to intern for the Senator just because the office would be in the Capitol, which is five hours away. But in, in New York, everything's just so close in Manhattan. And we actually have this organization called the Columbia Career Education Center. I don't know if you've, have you heard of it? But basically I, freshman year, a bunch of my friends were getting internships. I was getting so stressed because I was like, I don't really know what to do. Like how, I don't know where to begin. I don't have a solid resume. I don't know how to write a cover letter. I don't know how to do anything, but also just no pressure to get a fre uh, internship freshman year. I think freshman year, it's really important to focus on just, you know, getting accustomed to Columbia and like getting good grades. Um, so no, no pressure there at all. I think sophomore year is like a good time or even sophomore summer is a good time to get an internship. Um, but I went to the CEC and I asked them, I said, I don't know what to do. Like, can you please help me write like a cover letter and a resume? And they did, they sent me like an outline and edited my cover letters for me and I landed an internship with the senator and I really I really loved it I actually continued to do it virtually last semester wow nice that's awesome yeah CC has been really helpful because I'm I'm more stem than than poli-sci I guess but um for like fellowship applications too they'll mm -hmm. look over your resume they'll help you read over your proposal to see if it's understandable to someone yeah. who's not really like in your field which I think is really helpful yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it existed until like I saw someone's story and they reposted it. But yeah, I'm so glad I found the CEC because as I'm applying to law school, I plan on like going to them for and they even do like mock interviews. Like they'll even help mm -hmm. you prepare for interviews. So I was planning on going over there to prepare for like some interviews and then also just have them read over like my personal statements and essays um, because they offer that as well. It's really amazing. Talking about law school and maybe we can even talk about like your major some more and how you chose it and then how that has influenced your decision to go into law? Yeah, sure. So I mentioned that I was a political science and a history major. And the reason I chose political science is just because I was always interested in the mechanics of our government and just the process of like alleviating social issues through policy making. And I originally, I actually didn't even know I wanted to do history. Um, I really thought that it was just like traditionally people just did one major, um, but I took one history class. I don't remember what it was, but I took one at Columbia and I ended up falling in love with the history department. And I just was like, I, I have to major in history. I need an excuse to take more history classes. <laughs> and yes, and also just ever since I can remember, I know I've wanted to be a lawyer or some sort of politician. And I really chose those majors because I thought they would prepare me for law school to some degree with like critical thinking and writing skills. But the more I am researching law school, the more I, I realize that you actually don't need pre-law like education to pursue law school. They actually really like STEM students. They love like all of that. Uh, you can be out of school for 10 years and still apply and like be very successful. Mm -hmm. Whenever someone talks about law school, I just think legally blunt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I know. I think Elwood. <laughs> Me too. She's our inspiration. But <laughs> yeah. How is the LSAT prep? Well, what is the what is the LSAT? Like, what do they test you on? 
And how are you prepping for that? Oh my God, the LSAT. It's draining me, but it's okay. Um, I'll get through it. Um, it's basically, it's a lot shorter of a test. It's just a law school entrance exam. It's like the MCAT, yeah, but for law school, it's a lot shorter. It's three hours, but since COVID, they've, they've created like an online format, which is two hours. So it's extremely short. But in those two hours, you're tested reading comprehension, logical reasoning, and logical games. And some people are just naturally very good at it, which for, which for them, like, kudos to them, they just have to study a lot less. But some people like myself, it doesn't come extremely naturally, like logic, you know what I mean? Like formal logic. So, but I've just been drilling, practicing, learning the language. It's a language, it's, it's so interesting. But yes, I've just been, you know, working on all those skills. I've been studying for a few months, but it's a little bit, it was a little bit difficult to study during the school year, just because mm -hmm. I was sitting in front of my computer for so long already doing Zoom. I just, I really wanted to, you know what I mean? Like after classes, it was just so hard to get myself to study. But now that I'm, you know, in Bulgaria with my grandma, no distractions, I'm just grinding it out, which I'm very thankful for that I have, I can do that. That's awesome. How is Bulgaria, by the way? Oh, it's so fun. I love it. I live on the beach, like the, the coast of the Black Sea. I actually used to live here when I was younger and um, I had to learn English as my second language because yeah, I came to America when I was like six and I didn't know English. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. well, that's a fun fact. Thank you. So when did, what are you planning to like apply to law school? Is there like a set start date for that? Yeah, so I, um, applications open September 1st and I think they close March 1st. Um, I know it's not traditional to apply senior year of college. It's actually like, you know, people really, um, it's encouraged to take like a gap year or two years off and work and really build that resume. Um, it can make you more competitive and it can give you more time to take the LSAT and just study and get that best score you can, but luck, it's possible. Thank you so much. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> For sure. And let's see, outside, maybe let's take a break from LSAT talk and like law school talk and mm -hmm. think about how do you balance your work and school and outside internships and your lifestyle in college? Yeah. Of course. So I would just like to put it out there that these habits took me two years to learn. I honestly was a mess like freshman and sophomore year. Not like an actual mess, but in my opinion, I was messy. Like, for example, I wouldn't really study. I, I would, but it was half studying, you know what I mean? So super unproductive. I would do it at 2 a.m. And I wasn't performing as best as I could. And I was like, why? And I was like, maybe because you're not studying. Like, what? <laughs> um, but now, um, honestly, thanks to COVID a little bit, I have developed some habits that I think are actually, like have, have been helping me boost my grades a lot, which are just to definitely take breaks and maybe even study day, like study day breaks if needed. And when I grow, go to the library, I will grind. Like I will turn off all my, all my electronics, put my laptop on do not disturb so no one distracts me and I just work for like three hours three I'm um, normally three at most on average I'd say and um, I use Google Calendar to stay organized too so I can go to the library in between classes or in between like events and stuff like that so just using all the time I have to my just using it to how do I say just really filling my time so I'm not really wasting anything mm -hmm. um, and then no house studying at all like no house studying so when I go to the library I will I force myself to be productive and that has gave, given me so much more free time I'm able to go out with my friends and like enjoy New York going I like go to restaurants and like we go downtown and do really fun things too and um, it gives you a lot more time for internships 
as well. And also as someone who has worked every semester in college, the schedule was, um, the schedule of like grinding it out in intervals worked the best for me because it gave me enough time to go to work too. Cause that's something I just had to do. Oh, that's really good. It's like self-discipline. It's hard. I feel like it's really hard to build good habits, but once you have it, it like, you'll realize that it's kind of life-changing in a way. Yeah. It like really gives you I don't know, better quality of life in a way, like better quality of yeah. non-studying time. Um, because then mm -hmm. you don't have to kind of like worry about the time that you spent half studying and you can exactly. actually afford yourself. Yeah. Yes. And even when I was like freshman, sophomore year, even though like when I was half studying, I was half enjoying myself, you mm -hmm. know, like I'd hang out with friends and I'd be like, oh, let me get my laptop out and like work on an yeah, essay. Yeah, I would yeah, write yeah. one sentence, but I don't know. It's just extremely unproductive, but mm -hmm. it does take a little time to learn. But the sooner you start practicing and thinking about these like habits that you can develop for you to make you more successful, I think the better. Yeah. Did you figure that out on your own or did you kind of like read any books or watch any videos that helped you with that? I think I deep down knew like what needed to be done. Uh -huh. um, but like, I was like, I'm a freshman. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. He, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like I, it was an excuse. Like I was just like, I didn't have time to get it together, mm. but like, it, I don't know. I think it just caused a lot more stress down the line because junior year I was like, oh no, my GPA is not where I need it to be to be competitive in the law school application process. And then if only I had worked a little harder, I would be a little, you know, more at ease now, but it is what it is. So I would just say, don't make too many excuses for yourself and you know what you need to do. I, I think that deep down everyone knows what needs to happen because mm -hmm. um, you know yourself best, you know? Like I know when enough is enough for me and I know I just, I know my strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that, but yeah. I like that you like preface everything with the fact that it takes time because you can't enter college and then expect to manage, like manage everything perfectly and then like get all A pluses and everything. Um, without giving yourself some leeway and like actually figuring out what works best for you. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of kids, like they, what worked for them in high school may not work now. Like mm -hmm. in, in college, you don't have to read apps for some classes. You don't have to read absolutely everything. Like you might have more difficult classes where you do need to, and then some where you need, where you don't, and then you can focus on that. You know, you have to like really learn the game of college and just finesse as much as you can, because <laughs> I don't know that I just think that that's like so important because you can't do every single thing and like do the job do the internship like have your fun read every single line of your book and do everything you just have to you have to prioritize for sure how much of a jump was it for you from high school into college academics wise um so for me I took a lot of classes in high school I took a lot of AP classes in high school I think senior I took like six mm. and it did prepare me to an extent but I was I would say a little, I had senioritis, so I was a little bit lazier. Like I didn't try very hard on my AP exams and I was like, eh, I mean, I got into Columbia, like I don't need to try anymore. So it was, <laughs> don't do that. But yeah, it took me, <laughs> I was a little bit surprised by like the rigor of Columbia, I guess. I was expecting it, but I didn't expect it to be that hard. I also didn't know that professors don't, won't really bump you. I thought that they would, like, I thought, I was like, oh, if I get an 89, they'll bump me, because it did, they worked in high school, you know, I was like, I'm so close to an, a 90%, like, they'll do it, but no, they do not, so shoot for that 90%, don't let yourself chill at an 89, like me, and get a bunch of B pluses, but yeah, I just, I really just had to learn that lesson for myself, um, and no one else really could have told me any different at the time, but yeah. A lot of trial and error. <laughs> you mentioned that you're from Fayetteville, Arkansas. 
and then yeah. you move to like the totally different area of like New York City. What are some tips that you wish you knew before coming to New York City? Yeah, definitely. It took me about two years to really figure out the subways. Um, in Fayetteville, I was driving my, I was driving since I was 14. I had never like even stepped on a subway before. So I had no clue like how to do it. I was so insanely confused. And I remember in NSOP, we all went down to like this Staten Island or something like that, the ferry. And I was asking people like it, we, my NSOP group went, no, no, no. I think it was my floor mates. Like we all went with our RA. And we got a little lost and I asked one of the people on the subway, like, hey, like, where do we go? Like, we're trying to go here. What's like the train that we get on? And everyone was just laughing at me. They were like, why are you doing this? You know, you're not supposed to talk to people on the subway. This is so embarrassing. Like, we look like forests. And I was like, well, like, eh, we, I don't know. Like, we just got here. So like, I'm sure they'll cut me some slack. But Google Maps has been very helpful in that. And also, I would just like to point out that like for any for anyone that's moving to New York next year, just know that there are like different entrances for uptown and downtown that took me so long to learn. The amount of times I accidentally have gone literally like down when I meant to go up is just absolutely like astounding. So just look at the signs and <laughs> If it's saying uptown, it's going up. And it's if it says downtown, it's going down. So just, just read the signs. Yeah. And the worst thing is like when you enter and then you already swipe in and then right after you walk in, you realize that it's the wrong one and you should be on the other side of the platform. That has happened to me too. So that's, that's pain right yeah. there. And then you just like have to be sad and walk out and then cross the street and then enter the right one. I don't know. Yeah. Top worst moments mm -hmm. in New York. Yeah. It will happen to you though, but avoid it <laughs> moving on to some of your favorite memories I know you mentioned tree lighting and Bacchanal was there anything else in particular that you are reminiscing about or you wish to to be able to experience again once we get back on campus yeah so homecoming um is also so much fun and obviously like Columbia isn't as big of a football oriented school as some of the southern like SEC schools like Alabama but we still we still do have a certain level of school spirit and I think it's really cool that Columbia actually pays for these big buses to transport our students over to Bakerfield for free and they'll even like take you back and that helps a lot because I think Bakerfield is like I don't know how far like what is it like 200 streams or something yeah yeah so it's it's a little bit far but like Columbia like they will do bus after another and it's so much fun it's so cute getting to see everyone in their Columbia gear just living out there like southern school fantasy just <laughs> one day of the year and yeah it's it's so much fun too I can't wait yeah, and our school color is so pretty. So everyone's wearing Pantone 292. Exactly, so. we're very lucky. And the Columbia, like Cornell game is the best. Like people just get so hyped for that. <laughs> Since Eva is a super spirited class president, we can talk about some favorite Columbia fun facts. I know some of the ones that we mentioned before were, oh my gosh, oh, the owl under, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. That's like revealing it. But there's something under alma mater and you probably already know because I just said it. Um, I didn't there was a thing under her. Wait, really? No. Oh my gosh. Wait, this is like, I think when you go on some tour guides mentioned this, but there's like an owl that you're supposed to find under alma mater. And if you're the first person in your class year to find it, then you'll be valedictorian. So yeah, what? that's like I a big one, I think. Oh, that's so cool. My parents actually didn't let me tour Columbia. So my first day ever on campus was the first day of school or I saw <laughs> 
yes they're they don't believe in it they're like why they're like why do you need it why uh. <laughs> so yeah i i'm missing out but thanks for letting me know that's a thing yeah and then the other one is the havemeyer 309 have you heard of that one is that the spider-man one yeah yeah, yeah the movie oh, like movie lecture hall yeah i i had a class in there it's a really cool room i love it yeah it's like, like history of ancient egypt you should take it it's a good global core oh yeah i need some more global cores i'm taking one next semester but do you have any favorite classes then that you would recommend to anyone who's entering columbia Yes, I the class that made me fall in love with the history department is called Civil War and Reconstruction. And that class just blew my mind. The professor's name is Stephanie McCurry. And it was and I won't like don't get like it was a very rigorous, difficult class. Um, but I loved every second of it. I think it just taught me so much about like current race relations in America. And you really just go at the root, you know, like you begin with the antebellum era, Civil War and then like Reconstruction and you really just learn so much about you know the root causes of our problems and i think that puts you in a better position to solve them and yeah yeah it was amazing awesome. what about favorite study nook at columbia i would say my favorite is milstein it, it and it's one of the barnard libraries and it's really cool that like columbia students also get to access that like the dining halls um it's just have you been in there right yeah mm -hmm. so nice so yes. clean and Beautiful. like modern Yes, there's so much natural lighting. It's all wood and mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. I, I go in there and it just, it makes me happy. Yeah. And I never thought a library could do that. But <laughs> and maybe we can end off on some advice that you have for people who are currently applying to college or people who are currently about to enter college. Yeah, so I would definitely say, I know I mentioned earlier how about how like I was terrified of running for student council and the only reason I really ran because I was essentially forced to by my friend Rob. Um, actually, Caroline, do you mind if I mention a TikTok? Like it, yeah, I yeah. promise it's relevant, but it for really sure. sends the message that I'm trying to say. So <laughs> I saw this TikTok about a girl um, who was telling a story about one time she got a scholarship and it was a really big scholarship, a lot of financial aid or something like that. And uh, during the award ceremony, as she was like shaking the hands of all the professors, one accidentally said like, congratulations, like so happy for you, but it's a shame more people didn't apply. Mm -hmm. And it was immensely uncomfortable, obviously, and the teacher visibly felt guilty because they realized what they said, but she realized that she probably only received the scholarship, like, mostly just because a lot of people didn't apply. And I think the key takeaway is that it's, it's completely normal to not feel like you're enough, especially when you're surrounded by, like, some of the most brilliant people ever and a school at Columbia like imposter syndrome is bound to happen and these insecurities don't go away overnight. But to that I'd say just like fake it till you make it everyone else around you definitely is you might just not know it so i would say like apply for that internship like run for the election just stop worrying about what people think of you because we all everyone just has so much going on in their lives already they really just can't worry about you as well going off of that last point that you mentioned about everyone has so much going on it's yeah. like if you are asleep at night and you wake up thinking about something embarrassing that you did three years ago and you try to think of something embarrassing someone else did three years ago, you can't remember anything for that exactly. latter example. So it's like, people probably are not thinking about you as much as you think they are. <laughs> yes, I think about this a lot. Like sometimes if I fall in front of someone or if I do something something so embarrassing in the elevator with a bunch of people, the like the way I comfort myself is like, I imagine, cause like obviously like you've seen other people do embarrassing things, but then literally in five seconds, 
like you'll forget, you'll get a notification or someone will text you and you'll forget about that person. So really, uh, yeah, you just got to not worry about what other people are thinking because they don't really care. That's really good advice. And I think that's a good note to end off on. And yeah. just thank you, Eva, for being here and for being yourself and your happy self. I think it, it was really fun talking to you today. And I think everyone learned a lot from you. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This really flew by. And um, yeah, I had so much fun as well. And I just wish everyone luck who's listening to your podcast, whether you're applying to college or you've you're already gotten in, like the best of luck to you. You got it. You're going to kill it. Thank you again to our viewers. If you're watching this on YouTube as a video podcast, make sure to hit the thumbs up and subscribe and leave a comment down below on what you'd like to see next. And if you're listening to this on any other podcast streaming platform, then make sure to hit the thumbs up and follow if you can. And we also do this thing that I always forget to do, which is like a high five to the camera. Three, two, one. Yay! Okay. Thank you to everyone again, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.